Elon Musk says Tesla may have to get into the lithium business. Redfin warns of the real estate market. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day. United pushes back the return of the Boeing 777. And former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers predicts that consensus will shift to a recession in the coming year. This is the Running With The Money weekly recap. Let's get into it. up and welcome to another episode of the running with the money podcast powered by upon the table either way i'm your host luke donay and welcome to the weekly recap that's right it's another week down in the year and it's another week that was absolutely full of opportunity but we are here to talk about what in the world the markets are doing today and then we'll get in to the biggest moments of the week now first Dow Jones finishing the day up 137, NASDAQ down 186, and the S&P 500 down 11. You saw tech moving to the downside today. In fact, if you go group by group, sector by sector, that's exactly what we saw. We saw energy, financials, basic materials, consumer defensive, utilities, healthcare, and real estate all moving to the upside. Meanwhile, the number one worst performing sector on the day, technology down 1.64%. Other negative sectors on the day, consumer cyclicals, communication services, and industrials. So those are all areas of the market to pay attention to, but technology definitely taking the brunt of the sell side action today. Now, shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, we have to talk about a tweet from Elon Musk, the man, the myth, the legend. So Elon Musk today responding to a tweet that was basically describing the price of lithium over a period of years and he responded to that saying quote price of lithium has gone to insane levels there is no shortage of the element itself as lithium is almost everywhere on earth but pace of extraction and refinement is slow so basically he is saying there that look guys it is far too uh, hard to get lithium at the moment due to the fact that extraction and refinement is in essence, too slow. Now, he then went on to say that Tesla might need to jump into the lithium business, which was definitely interesting. But you also take a look, and according to Benchmark Mineral Intelligence, the cost of lithium has actually gone up over 480% in just the last year alone, which is absolutely nuts. But this also isn't the first time that Elon Musk has actually mentioned Tesla going in and mining its own lithium. In fact, in 2020, he talked about that Tesla indeed did secure their own rights to mine lithium in Nevada after a deal to buy a lithium mining company fell through. So Tesla possibly exploring the possibility of mining their own lithium due to the fact that it's very hard at the moment to get lithium due to how slow extraction and refinement is. And at scale, Tesla is going to need a lot of lithium. So this is going to be a major topic ahead for really EVs in general, but also Tesla. And also I do want to note that according to the US Geological Survey, there is indeed deposits of lithium all over the country. So that is another major note to take from this headline. Now shifting into Redfin, warning on the real estate market. So they dropped a report actually today talking about the US housing market and real estate and what the world is going on across the real estate markets throughout the country. And they had a few interesting bullet points that I want to go over. 
The first thing they talked about is the fact that Google searches for, quote, homes for sale actually fell by double digits in the cities of Baltimore, Boston, San Francisco, and Los Angeles in the second week of March when compared to a year earlier. It's also important to note that according to Redfin, tours of homes for sale in the state of California were down 21% as of March 31st from the first week of 2022. And then also Redfin noted that agents, real estate agents in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Boston, and Seattle were reporting a drop in request for home buying help at the start of this year. And then finally, their agents are also saying in California, fewer offers on each home. So as we know, the real estate market's been extremely hot. You've been seeing multiple offers come in on nearly every home for sale, and they're starting to see less offers come through. And really what Redfin is getting at here is possibly you're starting to see the U.S. housing market slowed down, which wouldn't be a surprise given the actions that the Fed are taking in essence raising rates. So this is all going to be something to pay attention to as we go forward. As the Fed continues to raise rates, as mortgage rates continue to rise, what in the world is going to happen to the real estate market? Is it going to drastically slow or is it only going to mildly slow? We really do not know the true consequences yet and we're just starting to get some of this data. Redfin warning on the real estate market. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had Morgan Stanley naming Amazon, Alphabet, and Meta as top recession picks. The firm went on to say, quote, while our economists are not calling for a recession, we remain on a macro watch and today provide a multi-factor framework across 32 online ad, e-com travel, and shared economy companies, showing which could better navigate a downturn. Google, Facebook, MTCH, Amazon, and BMBL screen highest. Now, Goldman Sachs downgraded Robinhood to sell from neutral today as well. The firm went on to say, quote, we are also downgrading Robinhood to sell from neutral as we believe street estimates are still too high. and see a high bar for Hood to reach profitability in 2023, which requires 10% plus organic revenue growth plus macro tailwinds, as the company has noted. An interesting call out of Goldman Sachs on Robinhood. We also had Baird reiterating Caterpillar and Deer as outperformed today. The Berman on the say, quote, we are maintaining outperform on Cat and Deer. Both are benefiting from direct exposure to commodity extraction customers, likely to disproportionately benefit from inflationary environment. So Baird liking Caterpillar and Deer benefiting from the inflationary environment, reiterating them both as outperform. Also, Morgan Stanley reiterated Boeing as overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, we are lowering our price targets to $230 from $288. As positive catalyst, we expected to occur in April of 2022 have been pushed to the right. We recognize we may have been too optimistic and need to factor in higher execution risk. So Morgan Stanley continuing to like Boeing, citing that their future catalysts they had expected are coming a bit late and also noting that if you are investing in Boeing, you need to add a higher execution risk to your thesis. Morgan Stanley also reiterating Spotify as overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, underlying growth, excluding the Russia shutdown, appears to have been strong during the quarter. Recent competitor price increases support our view that Spotify ARPUs can grow long term. While we lower our price target to reflect higher interest rates and lower long-term gross margins, we remain overweight. Morgan Stanley 
liking Spotify despite the headwinds. And then finally, RBC initiating Raytheon as outperformed today. Performing on to say, quote, we believe Raytheon is establishing a new standard for end market exposure, 65 to 35 from defense to arrow in 2021. That will benefit from stronger defense fundamentals as well as the commercial aerospace recovery. RBC liking what they see at Raytheon. And then our final call of the day, Goldman Sachs reiterating Tesla as a buy and no big time analyst calls coverage would be big time unless you cover the beast Tesla. But shifting in to what in the world Goldman Sachs had to say about Tesla, they want to say, quote, we remain positive on Tesla for the full year, driven by strong EV demand, the company's leading ability to navigate the supply chain. For example, Tesla has been able to find alternative suppliers more quickly, in part due to its vertically integrated model and increasing prices for its vehicles. Goldman Sachs liking what's happening over at Tesla and liking the demand throughout the year, reiterating it as a buy. Now, shifting away from the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had United pushing back the return of dozens per CNBC of Boeing 777 jets until at least May 13th. Now, this is what the company had to say. Due to the delay in the return of our PW777 aircraft to active service, the May flight schedule is being reconfigured to account for the lack of these aircrafts. Furthermore, the company went on to say, we continue to work consciously with Boeing, Pratt & Whitney, and the FAA to safely return these aircrafts to service soon. And our current plan will allow them to return in the second half of May. So, United expecting these aircrafts to return in May. Now, if you're wondering why in the world these aircrafts were actually grounded in the first place by United, it's because one of their Boeing 777s actually experienced just over a year ago a major engine failure. Now, these engines on the 77s are Pratt & Whitney powered engines. And it is also important to note here is that United has more than 50 of these 777 aircrafts. So it's definitely nothing small and it definitely is affecting their schedule. In fact, these aircrafts are the biggest in their fleet or some of the biggest. So this is going to be a headline to continue to pay attention to, especially if you are a United shareholder and investor, because obviously the more planes you have, the more business you can do. And without these 777s, there is going to be some major scheduling issues and basically go-arounds that United is going to have to engineer. Now, shifting in to Mr. Lawrence Summers, a former Treasury Secretary, predicting that consensus among economists will shift into the United States moving into a recession next year. Now, this is what he had to say to Bloomberg on, quote, the combination of overheating followed by policy delay followed by supply shocks means I think it's a very difficult set of challenges and recession in the next couple of years is clearly more likely than not. I suspect that's how the consensus will evolve. So he seems to be expecting a recession here in the coming years, citing this overheating, citing inflation and supply shocks. So this is all something to definitely keep your eyes on. And this is all data that we've been talking about throughout the week. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But one more thing he said, he started talking about China and now he sees some risk in China. This is what he had to say. Between exit from COVID, profound financial strains, internal issues around inequality, tension over state enterprises, China has real economic vulnerabilities. What I'm fearful of is that those vulnerabilities will translate into hostile nationalist impulses as a way of holding the country together when the glue of 
rapidly growing prosperity starts to peel and flake off. So, Mr. Lawrence Summers, he's a bit worried about what's going on in China and how China acts going forward and sees that as a risk. Now, shifting into the biggest moments of the week, because of course this is the weekly recap, Monday, the lead off the week, we had Elon Musk taking that large position in Twitter and then eventually gaining a board seat. Once again, Musk had purchased 73,486,938 shares of Twitter, which brought his ownership to around 9.2%. Now, as of Monday, this stake was passive, but then later in the week, he switched this over to activist and took that board seat. So this is all something to pay attention to. But this came after Elon Musk tweeted, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? And throughout the week, we have been seeing this news evolve after he got that board seat. Then there was rumors that Twitter was working on several features. And many are still wondering what in the world Musk is going to attempt to change when it comes to Twitter. So all eyes on Elon Musk, it seems, this week. And then also to begin the week, we had Starbucks suspending their share buybacks. This order coming down from Howard Schultz, his first day back at the helm of Starbucks, taking over for their previous CEO, who indeed did retire. Now, what did he have to say about suspending these buybacks? He said, quote, this decision will allow us to invest more profit into our people and our stores. The only way to create long-term value for all stakeholders. So, Pretty much what we're getting out of Starbucks is they're suspending these buybacks to reinvest in the company and their employees. If you want to have more details on this headline and all the headlines that we are about to cover real briefly, because they were big moments throughout the week, go listen to the Monday recap. Go listen to the Wednesday recap. Go listen to the Thursday recap. We talk about all of these headlines in much more detail. So go check them out. But shifting into midweek, what news did we have? Well, of course, we had those Federal Reserve Minutes on Wednesday. Now, they talked even more about starting to reduce that balance sheet. In fact, the consensus amount for roll-off was right around $95 billion a month, which would be a combination of $60 billion in treasuries and $35 billion in mortgage-backed securities. The market definitely didn't like that. It's all a large downside day midweek. Now, the minutes on quote said, Many participants noted that with inflation well above the committee's objective, inflationary risk to the upside, and the federal funds rate well below participants' estimates of its longer run level, they would have preferred a 50 basis point increase in the target range for the federal funds rate at this meeting. The minutes went on to say, quote, many participants noted that one or more 50 basis point increases in the target range could be appropriate at future meetings, particularly if inflation pressures remained elevated or intensified. So pretty much what we got out of the Federal Reserve was that they are now heavily considering and starting to plan that balance sheet reduction. They're heavily considering larger rate hikes, and they're going to do anything necessary to slow this inflation. And then also midweek, we had U.S. mortgage interest rates rising even further with the 30-year fixed rate mortgage rising to 4.9% according to the Mortgage Brokers Association in the week ended April 1, which is up from 4.8%. And if you take a look at mortgage rates, they have now risen by roughly 1.6 percentage points since the beginning of the year, which is the fastest run we have seen in this metric since 1994. 
And also, we got labor market data midweek, actually yesterday, with initial filings for unemployment dropping to 166,000, below the Dow Jones estimate of 200,000, and below the previous week's read by 5,000. And it was also the lowest number, or one of the lowest numbers we have seen since roughly 1968. So, some big time numbers coming out of the labor market, a very tight labor market, and an interesting fact that I brought up when we went into these numbers in more detail in the Thursday briefing is that you take a look and there are currently 5 million more employment openings than there are available workers. So it's definitely a very tight labor market. And then finally, to round out the week, yesterday we had St. Louis Fed President James Bullard saying that the Federal Reserve is behind the curve. We went even more into his comments in the briefing yesterday. We really read through all of his comments and he was basically saying that the Federal Reserve is going to do what they need to do to bring this inflation down. And really what it came down to is he also said that possibly that benchmark short-term borrowing rate might need to go to 3.5% instead of 3%. And that spooked a lot of investors as well. And then we had SoFi dropping 10% as President Biden did indeed extend the student loan payment moratorium. We went through their new guidance because they did lower four-year guidance, but they kept that Q1 guidance the same as it was previously given. So that is something to note. And also a positive you can take out of this if you are a SoFi investor is the fact that one of SoFi's key segments due to this moratorium is running at 50% of its pre-COVID capacity, which means once this moratorium comes off, that segment's going to be doing quite well. It's going to recover well. And if they're already turning out very strong growth numbers with a key segment down 50%, imagine what they're going to turn out when that segment is fully back. And that's just a note that many bulls are bringing up on the street. But that is the weekly recap. I thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. Before we go, please go and give my boys over at Pounding The Table a listen and follow at Pounding The Table anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please go and give me and my team a listen and follow at Running With The Money anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, literally anywhere, and also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and follow me on Twitter at Luke Donay and ask me any questions that you want to ask. Also, if you want a stock broken down or looked into, we'll gladly do it. Just drop a comment on one of the posts on any of our social medias and we will try to get to it as quick as possible. Until the next one, easily profit trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.